Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the penthouse of a partially completed commercial high-rise in glamorous Hollywood adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of one of LA's leading cement factories, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me once again today, Mark McGrath, the singer of Sugar Ray and the host of Mark McGrath's 120, heard weekends on the 90s on 9 here on Sirius XM. Hello. I love the new intro. I was wondering where we were going to go with it. and uh, The people the- were, a lot of people put two and two together and realized that we were no longer going to be Beverly Hills adjacent. No, but we are definitely looking over cement factory, this beautiful building, and then boom, right there, and it's going nowhere. But yeah. the view here is incredible. Panoramic. Panoramic view downtown, the hills, and elsewhere. It's lovely. It's good to see you, Tolly, as always. It's nice to see you, uh, too. Where have your travels taken you since last week? You know, basically around the world and elsewhere, mate. Oh, for real? As Spinal Tap would say, but uh, I've been to Japan, mm-hmm. I've been to uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and then uh, we played last weekend down at the Beach Life Festival Redonda. on Redonda Beach. A lot of fun. It was That's Bob fun. Weir, Willie Nelson. Um, Saw Bob Weir yesterday. Was he here? He was. He's a cool looking dude, isn't he? Yes, he is. Uh, I love I love the just sort of like old school pirate beard and, and stash he has. Few few men can pull that off. He does it well. And uh, what a guitar player. You as a guitar player, I don't know if you appreciate the Grateful Dead. I'm assuming you don't. I've tried. Yeah, I've tried too. So you're you're not you're not talking to a deadhead. Yeah. I enjoy One time it. I tripped so hard I did enjoy them. Did you? Yeah. What were you tripping on? Mushrooms. Yeah, mushrooms will do it. But, ter- but, ter- but Terrapin Station. But you know, if if I put on O Town and I'm on a mushrooms, they sound great too. So like it's a little bit of a, you know what I mean, a false uh a false idol if you will. I was I was trying to compliment the, the Grateful Dead there. Well, I, I like the Grateful Dead. I mean, look, I there's a girl I really loved in Newport Beach, California growing up and she was a huge Deadhead fan. So uh, I swallowed you don't, my you don't say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so I swallowed my pride and we saw the dead, I think like in 91 at the Coliseum. And I didn't trip. I didn't. I just drank beer. And it was long and gnarly. And they did this thing called Space where everybody plays drums and it's, everybody's supposed to be stony and rad. I didn't get it. It took me a while, but I, I have learned to appreciate the Grateful Dead in, in small doses. Hey. I, uh, I see what, <laughs> I see what you, you did there. You're welcome. I've definitely come to appreciate like their their fan base. It's easy to, to make fun of the most extreme, burnt out, you know, sure. 60s holdover people, but there were worth there were worse ways to waste your youth than following the Grateful Dead around selling grilled cheese sandwiches you made on your car. I think you're right, and the sense of community that uh, the Grateful Dead manifested was, yeah. was really amazing. And what they were the first to really build that they, they, they were starting playing in venues that were so big they kind of uh, perpetuated what is today's stadium um, acoustics and speakers. They were the first to hang speakers. I've you heard know, that. That's yeah, right. That's they, right. In certain ways, they were so backwards, and in certain ways, they were so incredibly technologically advanced. And I think a lot of people forget two reasons why maybe the internet was going to make it anyway, but the pornography put the internet over the top. Yes. But before that, Swear to God, it was it was Grateful Dead chat rooms. No, you're you're inc- you're entirely correct, and that is a testament to their community. I yeah. mean, they really can make the needle move. Ironically, uncertain technological innovations, but uh, yeah, the Grateful Dead. I've learned to appreciate them as I get older. And I, I have a question for you: Who is the new Grateful Dead? Is that is there a question coming? Is this a new feature to I think, the? Uh, <laughs> I think 
I think the question it's you trivia asked time. It, it might be the Daily Double. <laughs> I don't know what's worse, that that noise happened or that I have absolutely no idea where it came from or how and when it might happen again. <laughs> That's fun, though. Like we should implement that into what's happening here. Because I did ask a question yeah. right then. Wait, I'm sorry. I got totally thrown off. What's your question Who's again? Who's in a Grateful Dead? Oh, okay. Um, who? I mean, not that took over that audience, but well, who, who, yeah, is, yeah. who is living as the new Grateful Dead in that concert space? I have my guess. Well, Fish obviously were the the heirs to that, but I think they're uh, in 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 um, comfortable semi retirement now. I agree. And is there a fervent following of Fish? I mean, there is, but yeah, and I guess because sure. they don't play as much as say, I say Pearl Jam kind of took over that that market where they tape every show and yeah. people trade tapes. And there's a real like, oh, would they play last night in the set list? And it's in, they kind of got into that space. Ironically, it's hard to picture them there. And you, you go straight to the widespread panics. You go straight to the fishes of the world. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going outside the box. I think Pearl Jam kind of took over that Grateful Dead concert business. Now, widespread panic is a band I've been meaning to look into a little bit more. I'm not expecting to like them. But they are for people who aren't familiar because they were a little bit uh, under the radar, at least compared to the dead and, and sure. fish. They're like if the Grateful Dead um, had had Charles Manson as the lead singer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because as somebody who grew up, I, I'm from Rutherford, New Jersey, which is right next to East Rutherford, which is where Giant Stadium is. So uh-huh. the, the dead would come for, you know, like a month. Right. And, and then they'd go over to New York and be playing Madison Square Garden for God knows how long. So it was like a season. Like some people have locusts. We yeah. had deadheads. <laughs> They came to town and took over, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. there was no messing around. Right, but then <laughs> I always knew when widespread and panic were in town for like three nights at the Beacon because that was a th- that guy asking you for money made you really uncomfortable. Yeah, no, that I, wasn't that wasn't a mushroom cl- crowd. That was a that was a meth crowd. There was a darker element yeah. to widespread panic, yeah, which they were is a ironic. Dangerous band. Yeah, well, because dead deadheads were you know there was some dark there was some dark folk in the deadhead world too as well. Yeah, um, but that comes with sort of that hippie gypsy culture. You're going to get that sort of dark element because yeah. those people that just go out and say, "Hey, man, let me see where life takes me," and that's 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 either you're a total like lover of life or someone who has been down on your luck. It's, it works. It's Two-way sword there. Yeah, didn't have anywhere didn't to call home in the first place. <laughs> exactly. So I must, must so. as well take a, a, a ride in the back of your micro mini bus. Yeah, you know may as I mean? well sell some acid. Yeah, or, get out there and, and take see, some. See know? the country a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also some people I think start off as perfectly nice people, and then you know most of us are lucky enough to have danced with the devil drug wise and with come that. out the other side of it intact. Not everyone is so lucky. I've always thought about this thing James Taylor said one time in an interview on probably the Mark Marin podcast that I'd never heard or thought about with all. All of the heroin in the 60s, mm-hmm. he was like, many of us took it, A, having no idea just how destructive and addictive it was until it was too late. But also, he said, all of us who were the junkies from the 60s would have been on antidepressants. Very interesting. We were just as fucked up. We were trying to deal with the same shit that people now try to deal with with therapy and antidepressants and the benefit of the knowledge that heroin is not an answer to your problems. Right. He's like, many of us got into heroin with, believe it or not, very pure, good intentions, and then by the time we tried to get out of it, realized we were in over our heads. That, that so makes a lot of sense to me, because the knowledge, like you said, the knowledge of drugs wasn't as it is now. Yeah. Uh, I think therapy, there was a stigma to therapy back then. If you mm-hmm. were going to see a doctor uh, in terms of psychiatry, you're going to Bellevue. Yeah. You weren't just going to go knock on a door in Beverly Hills and sit there and talk about, you know, how you had mommy issues on a, on a $5,000 Rocher Bois couch. You and know you, what I mean? you needed money if you were a kid from a bad household, the kind of kid who gets in rock and roll in the very often in the first place. Exactly. You did, those resources weren't there even if you were open to that. You know? I mean, the fact that James Taylor was a, 
you know, was a heroin addict is, is mind blowing to me. The guy's the most, to me, is the epitome of calm, grace, and someone who's so comfortable in his skin. Uh-huh. And if you've read his books and have read his interviews, he, he's, he's very forthcoming and, and very knowledgeable about the subject. You know? I need to know more about that guy because I can't think of a, a person. John Mayer a little bit fits this category of a guy where, like, what I think I know about the way they conduct themselves personally is just, it bears no relation to James the, Taylor. Uh, James Taylor and yeah, yeah. And, you say James and, Taylor and John Mayer have and, a, some pots of coke? In the regard that I, I regard them as these sort of like rock and roll wild men when in their personal lives who make this very, I think milk toast is how you say the word, like <laughs> middle of the road, your your mom would listen to it kind of stuff. I just don't think James That's Taylor- That's the only, the only way in which I will link those two. I hear you because I don't think James Taylor was embracing the the fame as John Mayer admittedly was. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I don't, and I don't think he was the Lothario. I mean, I think he was. No, he certainly had his moments in Carly Simon and some beautiful woman. But yeah. I mean, look, I mean, you go down John Mayer's list. I mean, <laughs> I think Scott Bayo's list is the only one compatible. <laughs> See, I'm in the I'm in the minority where I find Mayer a pretty pretty amusing. Actually, I, found, I like John. Mayer. I found the Dick thing very very funny, and I, I think he's come to Jesus and real and 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 owned that he went too far with the Dick thing. Yes, when he had a TV show on VH1, that the the bit. The, the joke was him going out in the parking lot wearing like a mascot costume and insulting people for going to a John Mayer concert. <laughs> it was amazing. That's a sense of humor. That's what it's called. Yeah. You know? I, I just never seen a pop guy do that before. And by the way, it's kind of like, uh, have you ever hear, seen him, uh, heard him do stand up comedy? He's really good at it. I have no doubt. He's really good. I mean, he's like, I mean, I've heard comedians say, wow, John Mayer, I mean, if he didn't, if he didn't play guitar so well. By the way, another thing, he's an incredible guitar player. He Sometimes is, you get lost sure in the is. John Mayer, good looking, you know, pretty boy thing. He's one, he's one of our greatest guitar players of this generation. I will say that to you with zero irony and a smile on my face. Well, that brings us full circle, yeah, because he has toured with the dead and totally... With friends of the dead. Dead and friends. He's yeah. the friends of the dead when you go see dead and friends. Yeah, exactly. Which, in a roundabout way, brings me to a topic <laughs> that I wanted to talk... If we talk about bands long enough, sooner or later, we'll, I'll, we'll find I'll, it. I'll find a segue. You're good like that. So, we have not done one-hit wonders and their failed follow-up singles in a while, and I wanted to talk about that today, but oh. in a slightly different context. Okay. Um, when you're talking about one-hit wonders, you're usually talking about bands that are in the where are they now pile at best, maybe you know doing you know package tours and stuff yeah. like that. But there are a number of bands who I think are more respectable, better remembered bands that are probably still touring on their own and selling out decent sized venues, despite the fact that they have only ever had one song that charted and are probably considered relevant is that what you're going to with this like well like- relevance and I'm, I'm kind of dancing around that word because i relevant to me is sort of like you're, you're hot right now but i guess the criteria that i would put to the stuff i want to play for you today is if they come to town are they playing you know maybe a a, a 500 seat or a thousand seat or all by themselves are they going greek or, or, or are they better. going roxy that's and, what you're saying yeah yeah, yeah. Right? Or, gotcha. or better because they always killed me about one hit wonders uh the verve is considered a one hit wonder yeah, in the man, united States. Really America. hung up on this. It makes me angry. It makes me angry. A, it makes me angry that the Rolling Stones took all the publishing from that song. A, but B, I mean they they're just a, they're still a band and that makes relevant music when they're when they're together. Richard Ashcroft, who's the songwriter and lead singer, still puts out great solo albums. So mm-hmm. there you're, you're dancing around a thing where like 
Boy, they're considered one-hit wonders here. What's wrong with us? So there's there's a context to all this one-hit wonder dumb stuff. And at the final thing I like to, to carry out this little caveat, if you ever had one hit in your life, you are more successful than 99 of the band. So somehow being called, being called a one-hit wonder, we've, We've we've made it as a negative connotation somehow. We no have. way you popped. I I think it's all. I would I would I I can I I've thought in very literal terms about um, the guy I always come down to is Jason Schwartzman. You know the actor, of course. Yeah. So he records and releases music. I think mm-hmm. he calls his band Coconut Records, and he had he had the one song. Yeah, West Coast, which I I don't think it hit the top forty or anything. No, but, but it was yeah. You know when you got one of those, and I'm like how because I feel like. I feel like I might be about as good at music as Jason Schwartzman. I think you, you are know? too, as well. And I'm like, oh, he got a West Coast. I never got a West Coast. It's not and over I'm, yet. I'm, I know I'm still out there fishing every day. It ain't over, I'm man. Still, I got like a couple I'm doing right now that I feel really good about, but they're not West Coast. You know, you, you don't know what it, you don't know. That's what's so great about music. You know, I mean, look, Cher had a. I enjoy no- the pursuit. Cher had a number one song, uh, 15 years. She, she's the one that's had a uh, the longest time between artists having number one. She had a song called Dark. I think Angel or something in 74, the number sure, one that I've right. never heard. Mm-hmm. And then in 99, she had Believe. So, like, it's mm-hmm. never over. I still think we can write a hit song. That's how dumb I am. But no one ever said we could back in the day. So, it's music, baby. It's music. Well, I don't think you really get to decide about that. I think if you're an athlete or something like that, you just know at a certain point, if I'm a basketball player, I don't I don't get up like I, like I used to. You're right. But if you're a songwriter, if you don't completely destroy your mind or get totally jaded... You still get that feeling when it's you're. So true. How, however, you write whatever your process is. For me, like m- many songwriters, is just sitting around noodling on an acoustic mm-hmm. guitar. When you get that little piece, you're like, "Ooh, ooh that's ooh, good. That's good. That's good." Now let me just not ruin it yeah. with the rest of the. You know what I mean? I've written the best <laughs> I'm, I'm, verses you've ever heard. I'm you know? ruining one right now, <laughs> and I can feel it happening because I because I, I, I nobody cares. You but know, I have this. I have this. I like, pre, I have this pre-chorus bit that's so fucking good. Right. I know. And, and you know when you get the chorus and yes. you're like. The, the, it's not good enough. That bit was a nine. Yeah. The chorus is like a six point five. And you keep but it. It's you, stuck, yeah, but yeah, it's stuck. Right, there. Exactly. Exactly. Fuck, it's God such. God damn it. Because and, and you can't recalibrate, <laughs> and then you cannot open your mind to something new. To, to something that, new. Yeah. You know. Oh. So, but I always say this about athletes. You know, like Michael jo- Michael Jordan would be playing basketball right now if he could. Yeah. You know, and, and people have won one championship in their life. They're they're a lot. The rest of the career, their their stars, the novelty, and the nostalgia is always kind of celebrated. Where people have had one hit, it's kind of like, oh, right side, right said Fred. How sad. I think it depends on the one. The hit. band I and hope, the hit. I hope people regard Aha a little bit differently than they regard Right Said. Well, the rest Fred. of the world does because you and I talk about this. They well, play arenas that. around the world still, There's, and yeah. they were not one hit wonders. They were only place their one hit wonders were were in, the, in this set. It cuts a little bit both ways. I was reading up, obviously, to 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 put together this show, and I don't know if this is true, but somebody on a message board mentioned the Eagles as being largely known for Hotel California outside of America. I would have to so disagree with that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the charts in front of me, but, yeah. you know, when I see the Eagles go play and they're playing arenas and stadiums around most places around the world, yeah. I'd have to say they had one more hit than Hotel California. God damn it. I trusted you, internet <laughs> message board. Okay. So let's get into some music. Here's yeah. a band that uh, we may or may not have been discussing very recently that, to the best of my knowledge, I, I, I try with these things. No, of course. But, um, it's all loosely interpreted. Exactly one top 10 hit, and this was the follow up. Never mind, I stumble and fall. Never mind, I stumble and fall. You imagine me slipping, jumping from the blue. Well, I taste of an elegant pie. I may be going to hell in a bucket, baby. But at least something 
Production's awful. Yeah, it might be. It might be. Uh, it's something to do with my computer or the way I'm running it into. <laughs> I mean, there's no drums or bass. Man, the voice sounds so familiar, Tully. Can you, it's can different. Different lead singer from the hit song. Oh, so you're throwing that at me? Because there's multiple. So multiple songwriters and singers. Yeah, I think this was their first studio album in a long time, and I think they only did it. They've been performing the songs live for a long time, but then like the figurehead of this band had like a heart attack, and everyone thought he was gonna die. So they're like, we better get in the studio and record these songs that we've been playing for the last twenty years. Are, are you calling Blues Travel or One Hit Wonder? No, I am not. Okay. That's very charitable to uh, Blues Travel. Yeah. I wonder what the Grateful Dead would think about what you just said. They only had one top ten hit, dude. Yeah, well, dude, I mean, okay, oh, man. Okay, Touch of Grey is you're talking about their, top, their am, top ten yeah. hit. Yes. But, but they're a legacy act, dude. Sugar Magnolia, Casey Jones. I mean, I know. Well, I'm now we're getting into, sema- now we're getting into career, semantics. Career acts who had one song that made the top 20 of the Billboard charts. Was that the follow-up single to Touch of Grey? Mm-hmm. And that's obviously Bob Weir singing, obviously. Yeah, Helena Bucket. Wow. Off of In the Dark, which is an album. It's so great. I wish pop music still worked the way that it did where it was this melting pot, because I asked for and received a cassette of In the Dark and was like, what the? Right. I, I don't think I made it past... One, I, I don't know if I've ever heard that song in my entire life, but the point is I did ask for it because that's what pop music was. I was like, give me Skid Row and Bobby Brown that's right. and Genesis uh-huh. and The Grateful Dead because I'm a kid and it's got, that's a, what I know. It's got a hook and I can dance to right. it. And people forget, I mean, Grateful Dead was on MTV every five seconds there in 1987 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. when that came out. Boy, that, that's, that's crazy. And it, it wasn't even my pantheon and train of thought to think of the Grateful Dead. And I thought that was Bob Weir singing. I was going to say a Bob Weir solo record or, you know. Yeah. Wow. It's just interesting to think of. They're not one-hit wonders. But you just call them a one-hit wonder. You were calling them a one-hit wonder. And they if you, are but, a band that has had one hit. But the Grateful Dead has a greatest hits record. I understand that. I understand. How many Grateful Dead? Do do you know ten Grateful Dead songs? Uh, Terrapin Station, Touch of Grey, whatever the fuck one was you just played. Hell in a Bucket. Casey Uh, Jones. Casey Jones, Shakedown Street, Fire in the Mountain. Now you've already lost me. So so you don't. But I'm assuming our listeners. Yeah, for sure. No five five Grateful Dead songs without even thinking. So yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, let's go to Pink Floyd then. They have two hits. They, Pink Floyd had two hits. Money so, and another hit, another brick in the wall. I was going to put them on here until I saw Money had been, I think, number 13, and then another brick in the wall was number one see that, everywhere. See, now, that's that's where I'm going with this. You the know, follow-up was Run For Your Life, which did not, which hit, like, like run, did, didn't chart yet. Run, um, With that yeah, U2 guitar before U2 yeah, guitar. Right, exactly, <laughs> you're right. God, you're, God, that's that's a great call. Yeah. David Gilmore, huge effect on the edge. Um, <laughs> effect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Two notes in a dream. But the so, edge story. So we're calling Grateful Dead one-hit wonders, and we're calling Pink Floyd two-hit wonders. That's what, that's what we're saying. For the purposes of this conversation. Of Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's recalibrating my whole train of thought here, you know, because I'm, I'm, you know, you know, I'm no. going Kajigugu, Wamani, no. but now I'm, now I'm going bigger now. Yeah, okay. So like I said, I, I, I it's a rough criteria. I say it's people still know like who it. they are. People would you know, would read an interview with so and so if they were asked some questions But no if, one would say they're one hit wonders. And if they, not one person. And if they come to town, they headline a decent venue, so they are re- at least that relevant and uh they've only had one song to the best of my knowledge that has ever charted on the uh, Billboard singles chart, not the album charts, the rock charts, what have you. I believe What about their records being gold? Now we're getting into a weird uh thing because mm-hmm. I 
Mm-hmm. The Grateful Dead must have 10 gold records. I would assume so. And a couple of platinum records. Probably. So it, it, can the record be a hit and not a song? Now, are you an album hit? Well, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm trying to find what is a definition of one at wonder because you just, you just, you just blown it, my mind. A, I think it's, a, I think if you look up the phrase one hit wonder definition, it's got to be an artist who had one, one, one hit. But if Billboard put out a mm-hmm. list of so let's call all them, the one hit wonders, mm-hmm. they would not include the Grateful Dead. I agree. I agree. How about we call them one hit legends? That that's actually very good, but okay. but I, but the one at wonder thing is very exciting to me because I'm blown away that the mm-hmm. Grateful Dead is the one at wonder. Okay, I think this next artist had only one song that charted. I'm pretty sure of that. Is that Fiona Apple? That is Fiona Apple. This was the follow-up to Criminal. To the Criminal, yeah. Off of her debut album title. Okay. Um, I'm definitely putting her in a one at wonder category. Legend would be a strong word to apply to Fiona Apple. Without a doubt. But I still think it is newsworthy to music people when she makes a new album. I think she's definitely relevant still. Definitely yeah. plays decent size venue. Definitely still making a music. And people uh, definitely want to hear her new stuff. Yeah. The irony of this whole thing is that she made a video around the song that probably made this elevated the song a lot higher than it would have gotten. The one, the sort of soft yeah. porn. When people were less weird about the jailbait thing. Exact boy. Yeah, it was imagine a really that today. Time, yeah. Imagine that today. Crazy. It was twenty years ago too, which is crazy. And she kind of um, had a lot of backlash herself against the video. She's like, "That's not who I was." Mm-hmm. The label kind of made you know, they, not maybe, but the label was highly uh, encouraging me of making a video like this and exploring my sexuality and blah blah blah. So not only is this a one at wonder, I think she has a. Um, a, a sort of uh, dislike for her only hit, if you will. Right. Now, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I believe I've read these things. I think I- you're probably right. You know, I think it's interesting. All that stuff is valid, and I wouldn't, you know, discount that's her experience, and, and she might very well be right. I've had barely any experience with, with labels and label people, and I'd believe any horrible thing you want to say about that. I'm sure you could write a book about I would. It. I would love to say I had a horrible experience with Atlantic Records. I did not. Okay. Fantastic. But here's something I found very really interesting. Title. I don't know how many songs are on title, but I do know that six of them, six were, were singles. Were released. Would you believe Criminal was the third? No single. No. off of title. So I believe you if you were not comfortable with the video. I believe if you feel exploited by the way you were presented. I believe maybe you didn't really even care for that song. It wouldn't be the first time that the song people responded to is the one the artist really doesn't connect to themselves, but. There's a very, very, very real chance literally no one on earth knows the name Fiona Apple were it not for them forcing her to have red eye and an ill-fitting T-shirt in the criminal music video no and selling it. her with that. There's no doubt about it. So and, take it with, you know, take it for what it's worth. And it's also like, I, you know, also you, you make a video like that and then it. The, it, it plays out in the crowd. They decide where it goes. You know, are you trying to be Jessica Simpson? I think they were trying to say she was trying to be a little bit of a vampy little pinup girl for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like I think kind of like a proto Lana Del Rey, something like that. So I think you know, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. There's sort of a revisionist history as to like what actually happened to making that video. You know, doth she protesteth too muchy? You know what I mean? Yes. It's like uh, so. Who who knows uh, what happened with that? But that is by far her biggest single. The video is what we all think of when we, we think of Fiona Apple. I, I'm, I'm, 
I'm speaking for myself. I'm not, I don't, you know, when you think no. of Fiona Apple, what do you think of? I think of her version of Across the Universe from the Pleasantville soundtrack. But you're so indie, is, and so, so, I mean. It, it's, I, I can't I believe. I love that song. I love that song. Have you heard her version of it? Oh, I haven't heard a version of it. No one can do that any injustice except maybe Sugar Ray. <laughs> I Look, love that song. I, I am what I am. Yes. And I can just tell you that in my experience, her version is, is better than the, the Beatles version. Oh, come on. Why is that such a sacrilege? This is blasphemy, and you love to Why be the contrarian. That the Beatles version is John Lennon singing it with an acoustic guitar. You Why don't love the so, Beatles, though. Why is it so insane to say that somebody may have done a better arrangement of a song when the original was the guy with an acoustic guitar? Why it's hard that? for me to say it because I haven't heard Fiona's Apple, Fiona Apple's version. Okay, so I'll tell you this: uh, John Bryan is an amazing producer and songwriter. He produced the track. And she sang well, you've, you've on got it. me interested now. Right, he yeah. was on this show, and I pretty much just had him on strictly so I could be like, "Oh, okay. oh, he's amazing." I was like, "You know, it's better than the Beatles, don't you?" He's like, "Well, it's nice when people say that. And like, you know, it's better than the Beatles." Did he think it was? I think he didn't say it. I think he. I think he's. It's a. Ama- it's true. I mean, that was right when he was in his perfect sweet spot. Of right, the Amy Mann stuff. Oh, he was killing it. He's which, just such a talented. Not guy. for everybody, but God, those records sound so beautiful. They I've do. never heard anything. And and if you think about what Amy Mann was bringing to the table vocally, and and I'm not saying that he was this Svengali. I'm sure she was very involved in the production of her own records as well. But the meeting of what he does and what Amy Mann does. Fiona Apple is such a natural other person. To 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 graduate to. Hey, want me to break your heart right now? Yeah. Amy Mann is a one-hit wonder. <clears throat> I know she is, and I, I thought about I, putting her on because, saying, because of the voices. I'm just saying, if you're going to tell me the Grateful Dead are, Amy Mann is, is a one-hit wonder. also a one-hit. I mean, legend's a strong word because I think there's plenty of people, well, I don't know who listen to us talk for, if you're 20 minutes in, you probably know who Amy Mann is. <laughs> Good point. But, uh. But yeah, she's not she's not a household name. She was the vocalist for Till Tuesday. Till Tuesday. Who had yeah. a song called Voices Carry, which was gigantic. And a uh basically a band, I think, of Berkeley musicians that got together and said, I want to make some songs for fun. Yeah. And they got a record deal off these incredible I didn't songs. Know that. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's one of my favorite songs of the eighties and that I've never really gotten into her albums. I feel like the stuff that they plucked off of her albums and put together on the Magnolia soundtrack were mm-hmm. that is her greatest hits yeah. to me and oh, got so yeah, top she, to bottom. She's amazing. Just such an inc- effortless, effortless talent, you yeah. know. So here we go. Here's another act that I think you will agree only had one song that charted that is uh, pretty well known. Okay. Faith No More. Yep. I didn't realize Epic, according to my research. Top five? Number nine. I didn't know it was. I thought it was more of an MTV hit, but. What did this get to? 70. Because I'm somewhere and. I love this band so good with everything in my heart. So I, there, there's. I was thinking about it this morning. I, I don't know if they're if they're necessarily the band I've listened to the most. They might be the band I've listened really? to the most. Angel Dust in particular, but oh, the, the follow up album to this. But it's the one for every mood. Like I love Morrissey, but there is a mood that sometimes you can be in too good of a mood for Morrissey. Before, yeah, I'll bring it down a little bit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's I mean, Faith No More. It's just it, Midlife Crisis was an MTV hit too. So yes. it's hard for me to call these bands one hit wonders. Just kind of going hit, back to the Verve hit, argument. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. it's very hurtful for me to do that, especially because Faith No More had more than one gold record. And a couple platinum records, you know, so there's... Well, they had two, right? Yeah, I, I think, well, obviously, I think... Um, Maybe the stuff with Chuck retroactively went gold after that. That might have gone, yeah, yeah. So much. Uh, we care a lot, well, you know, which to me, to you, it's a hit, and k 
you know, again, we're going back to the K Rock argument. Yeah. K Rock played the living hell out of We Care a Lot. So it's a hit that. in my head, yeah. but I know technically, and that's what we're going by the Billboard charts, which is the Bible of chart making decisions, yeah. has decided that Faith No More is one hit wonder. I wonder what the cover of Easy did, because I know that got a lot of love on yes. MTV. It was somewhere, I don't know, 50, 60, 40, but didn't, 70. But didn't break no. top 40, didn't no, you know? It did not. It did not. Right. And let me ask you something where do you have to chart to be considered not a one hit wonder anymore? What if you got to number twenty five? I mean, where where is that line? I think the I think the line is, is recognizing the song is twenty, is twenty. Because who is the other one? I was going to play somebody else, and they had a uh, they had a, a nineteen, and which honestly think about even back then when they had deeper radio playlists, they're not going nineteen deep on your local. No, top you'll 40 forget station. nineteen hits. And by the way, you know how hard it is to get to nineteen? It's very difficult. You'll forget a lot of twelves. You'll forget a lot of top tens. I mean, yeah. share that. Song called Dark Knight. What's number one in seventy four? Yeah. I've never heard to this day. You know what I find shocking? So one time I was lucky enough to have a professional reason to interact on back to back days with um, Neil Diamond and Elton John. Oh my god! Phenomenal. Yeah, I, awesome. I, and professional reason I mean time to talk to them. I was in the I was recording shit. You know, I'm Neil Diamond, and you're listening to Neil Diamond. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm a believer. But you got to <laughs> make a believer out of you with this new track off my hot new album. <laughs> Let's make it love for a week. But it was the greatest because Neil Diamond was actually like kind of chit chatting me. He was making small talk with me. It almost seemed like to get he 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 knew he had it to talk. He had to talk a little bit to get himself kind of warm talking. Right. I don't think he was interested in talking to me, but I think he knew he had to record stuff for the radio, and it was just in his So we want to get that tone, that Neil Diamond tone. Yeah, and he's cracking. like, Mike, do you, Mike, he learned my name. Mike, do you do a lot of these? And I was like, what well, a funny, you should mention it. I'm doing this with Elton John tomorrow. And he's like, oh, <laughs> you must tell him I say hello. So that was awesome. So the That's next a great day, in. The next day I see Elton John, I was like, I saw Neil Diamond yesterday. He said hello. Uh, we had who a great, is this? Mike had, Tully guy. Great little, <laughs> yeah. great little conversation. But so I happened to be, to your point, I happened to be researching uh, th- their careers, and they are, in some order, the number two and number three biggest selling artists or charting artists of the 1970s. Yeah, make a ton of sense to me. Do you know who number one is? Uh, of the seventies, the number one uh, charting is going to be uh, Michael Jackson. No. Um, Neil Diamond, Elton John. Um, I, I I don't want to waste space here, but who? It's Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Which I found shocking because I think I could name two songs by Barbara. We're, Streisand. we're talking solo artists, right? I assume so. Yeah. Yeah, because the Bee Gees had to have more. And maybe, maybe. Elton John had a pretty good run too. Oh yeah, but you're saying how songs can be really big hits and be forgotten. How many songs from? I Barbara mean, name, name are... two Barbara Streisand songs right now from the '70s. From the '70s, uh, Memories was like a yeah, thing yeah, the way they yeah. put. And then uh, you don't bring me flowers. Yeah, with, Neil, with the Neil Diamond. Was it okay? Uh, yeah, there you That's go. That's what I know. I've heard yeah. stuff from you know here and there on Sirius XM, but nothing that I that I knew. The point is, you got to sort of scratch your head a little bit. Yeah. Where Neil Diamond, Elton John, you can you can say 55 songs right. immediately. So yeah, you can have you can have you forgotten be, hits, can, and you can have the the flip side of that, which I want to do on this show. At some point, which are songs that are regarded as hits, which actually did not chart at the time. There's well, quite a few of those. We can, we can Grateful Dead the hell out of that one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a fun little uh, caveat talking about Neil Diamond. Uh, they got to, uh, uh, obviously, Smash Mouth did I'm a Believer yes. for the Shrek soundtrack, That's which right. gigantic success for them. And they got to meet Neil Diamond and work with him. And they were in a, a studio with them, and Neil Diamond goes, Hey, guys, I've got an idea for a song. And they go, What? What? And they're all excited. He goes, Here's the title. Let's make love for a week. He really, that's why I said that earlier. <laughs> and they all went, oh my God. So they knew they had to spend 10 hours working on this song that they were never going to use.
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. I That's got funny. it. Let's make love for a week. I, I can see you doing it, Steve, with that beautiful face of yours. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, he famously did at the tail end of his, uh, you know, historic chart topping run the turn on your heart light which turn up. Which, i actually love that song which was inspired as i'm sure you know by, by et by of course ET of course and his little heart light. i love that song i don't know for some reason i really and my mom loved neil diamond so i was really raised on a whole bunch of neil diamond and we've talked about this before but there's a point in your life you stop writing good songs i don't care if you're paul mccartney neil diamond mm-hmm. elton john there just is i know i'm not trying to be a jerk just name it name mm-hmm. a great elton john song in the last 20 years no, I know it's and, and it's a Neil shame. Diamond song. It's a shame because they, they keep trying. Well, we had this conversation. Actually, that last Paul McCartney song it. you played it's from was great. It's called New. Yeah. It was great. It was great. Right, but, but, it was a, still... but there was a little bit of connection because your kid loved it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what got you there, and the emotion was ready, and you're ready to receive that. Yeah. Where if you were just angry driving down the 405, maybe mm-hmm. that might not have been the same. Uh... No, I know. No, I know. That's why I'm happy to be a, a, a bad to mediocre songwriter because <laughs> Me I'm too. just as good as I ever was. <laughs> I'm just as I haven't lost a thing, Mark. I might actually be getting better. <laughs> I actually snuck in and fit, fooled some people, and now I'm just as bad as everyone. <laughs> so here's another artist that had one hit. This barely even qualifies. I think his one hit topped out at number 16 on the charts. So this is where we're going now. This might be something you've never heard. No, you know this. Lou Reed, of course. Now this song, I feel like, has taken on a life. A lot of his music has. Listen for David Bowie. Look, it's melodic. When he was all up in the... That was the scene to be in the, in the Bowie, Mark Ronson. What a crazy time. Not Mark Ronson. That's the, that's the new guy. Always. Mick Ronson. Yeah, Mick Ronson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who gets uh, not enough credit, I believe. Yeah, um, uh, uh, Lou Reed mm-hmm. had a, a little bit of late sort of 80s resurgence. I, don't, I shouldn't say late. Mid-80s resurgence where he wrote a song called You Do What You Want to Do. Yes, you, we've also we talked about this. That, yeah, that yeah. was not a top 20 song. I did not make it as far as looking at that. I was I was looking at his prime. I boy, maybe you're right. Maybe w- was Walk on the Wild Side. It, w- it went to 16. You that's said that's what I that's what I believe I saw. Boy, and that to me feels like know. was at least a top 10, at least you know. And that's also one of the songs that got more legs as it went on and on. Mm-hmm. And Mark Wahlberg's version, yeah, was in the top 10. Yeah, for sure it was. For sure it was. There's a great great little short documentary video on the guy who just made the baseline. On Walk on the Wild Side. Which is the whole song. Which is the whole song. I didn't realize, I'd never listened to it closely enough. That What's his name? Totally. I, I don't recall. Um, but he, it's, uh, it's, two, it's two completely different bass lines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, didn't, didn't catch that. You know, you know when you like hear the guy do the thing and you're like, oh, that's obviously the reason why I and everyone else have been responding to that song all these exactly, years? Exactly, exactly. I just didn't realize it was like kind of hidden in plain sight. And so there wasn't a guy that was part of the Luterid sort of uh, factory, Andy Warhol. I don't believe so. Field, no, no, no. television, this was, this Tom was a Verlaine. Dude, I think this was a, right. was a jazz. session dude. Yeah. Not a Carlos Alomar type. I don't believe so. Uh, let's see. We can skip Nirvana. Come as you are was the follow-up to Smells Like Teen Spirit. That so wait. Not, so wait, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Nirvana is considered a one-hit wonder according you, you to- You really got to get- No, no, but I just want- They just, have one hit. They have one hit. Yes. Heart Shape Box did not chart. Okay, so smell. How far did smells like Teen Spirit? Get? I want to say number six. We are calling just for you know for for you know taking notes today. Mm-hmm. Grateful Dead, one hit wonders. Yeah, correct. That's what that's Nirvana. All, that, one not, hit only, not only not only am I calling them that, Mark. That's all they are to me. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's crazy, you know. But you know, if you went to alternative rock and stuff, yeah. you'd, you'd have twelve number one yeah, yeah, Nirvana yeah, yeah. songs, no doubt about it. You know, no so it's, it's it. a weird sort of caveat and little little qualifiers you have to do but in all the, these things. But yeah. and the Hot 100, mm-hmm. which is what decides what is a hit for the pantheons of time. Yep, Nirvana's the one, which is music to a, a vast majority of mainstream history. People. will look back on Nirvana as a one-hit one wonder. <laughs> This is the follow-up to the only hit song by. Nah, not the Cure. Yeah, they loves uh, uh, Friday. I'm in love was like it's not as high as you think. Thirty-eight or something. It may have it may have cracked the top twenty. What did this get? Eighteen, like seventy. Dude, I skipped the first minute twenty. Of the I, I iTunes sample song. of this, it's so I, good. this song is my favorite Cure song. Yeah, of all time. I'm not a. The sample's already over because the entire sample that well, you can well, listen yeah, to was so long. Yeah, you know the band Lit did a great cover version of that. I they made sure it was true to it. They kept the, the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. But again, the Cure being one of one or you know, so one hit legends we have to say I one guess. hit legends. You know, yeah, one, that's, one what, that's what we'll call this. That, that's you know I think you started something new, a new vernacular, a new piece of the uh, musical. Sort of etiquette and protocol. Man, again, I did my homework on this stuff. I, I try my best. I'd love to have a, uh, a re- researcher who could actually vouch for everything that I'm saying. I'm under the impression this band also only had one song that um, that charted, despite the fact that although they have rock legends, they had, as we all know, a huge pop sensibility. This is the follow-up to their one top ten hit. So wow. Back, We're is, getting into hurtful territory now. This is now. the follow-up to Rock the Casbah. This hurts me. Off of combat, this wasn't a hit? Isn't that weird? No, there's no way. You listen to it and I'll look it up. I mean, this is like the Louis Louis of the 80s. And you see, that's this may have been where I had the idea that we should talk about songs that are classic pop songs. Right. You can play this at a wedding. And, 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 and my grandma's hit. dancing. And it's not a hit. And what about, you know, okay, the romantics, what I like about you. What's two hits? Yeah, but was that even a hit? Not, not, you're, we're getting some weird space now. Is what I like about you, are we just revising it as it was a hit? Or is it like, like this to me is what, what I like I, about you? Yeah, agreed. Okay, so I'm looking at the U.S. charts, U.S. main charts. Which, I've seen a bunch of. Which is what we're looking at. Uh, they were 21 for Police on My Back, which I don't even know. There's no way Police on My Back was number 21 in, on the Hot 100. There's no way. I, I can I can only go by the Wikipedia <laughs> in front of me. Rock the Casbah is number six. I apologize. Should I say or should I go? Did make it to number 13. Okay, well that that's that yeah. would so. and that's and that's the end of it. Gotcha. Yeah, no train in vain. No, no. no. Everything else is no, train in vain. Uh, you know, you also they're very political. You know, like a you know, like a white man at Hammersmith Palais might yeah. not have, might not have made it up there. Um, but got so many great classy rockers. London Calling. No, that was more of a MTV sort of. They, that was so uh, on the on the peripheral. Yeah, that's a that's. How about no hit legends, Tully? How about that? Want to start playing games? How about bands that are gigantic that have never had a hit? Um. I mean, do you know I, what I didn't look? You know, what I forgot to look up for this. Uh, how far did Radiohead get with Creep? That's a very good question. Yeah, you can. I'll, I'll look I that bet, up while I play you. Uh, I'll keep discussing. So, how many songs would Radiohead qualify? High and Dry might be a top forty somewhere. Uh, cre- yeah, just keep talking. Oh, Creep is your only shot at a top twenty, I believe. Um, Paranoid Android, maybe. Not a pop But no, hit. no, right? Are we listening to Jimmy Buffet? 
This is, he had one hit. This song did okay, too. I think this is top 20, but it, this is not a... Changes in latitude, changes in attitude. Not come Monday, even? Like, come Monday. Today. There's three things going on right now. It ain't a t-shirt, right it ain't a song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Creep topped out at number 34 on the U.S. pop charts. Because that, that is not a hit to me, then. High, no, it's not. It's not. High and Dry was 78, and that is the last time... Nude? Radiohead are no hit legends. Yeah. There you go. Radiohead, all you Radiohead fans, no hit legends according to us. Yeah. Well, the Was same thing. in Paradise top anything? Uh, I'm sorry. I know there's so much going on. Sorry. It was, it, it charted but didn't go all the Margaritaville was, was top no, five. I think it was number one. Number one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and rightly so. It's a class. It's, it's, per, perfect. it's a perfect pop song. It's, uh, man's still playing arenas because of that. And, it's got, and a, chain started of, a, chain got of, a chain of restaurants from know. one song. Do you know how much money that man makes off Margaritaville? I mean, you know. I'm just happy that there isn't the bad story of he had signed some bad deal and do you know that somebody else is making all of the... Like, right. I, I, I just don't have that real intense evilness to me because you'll hear about these bad deals sometimes and you just wonder, doesn't the criminal at a certain point go... Hey, dude. Here's like ten million. Yeah, I've made enough. I've I've just taken you, you, I've taken you know, two billion dollars. Right. I'm gonna you give you twenty million because you were a back. dumb kid and you were drunk and I got you to sign a piece of paper. Just here you go. Just just stop stop touring. Stop stop playing casinos. That's what happened to John Fogarty. Oh god. All his publishing, every percent got stolen. Well, I should say stolen was uh, uh, taken over by his first uh, record company owner. Not only did he own the, uh, the he owned the name, the trademark to the band. He owned John Fogarty as a solo artist, and he owned all his publishing. That's why John Fogarty, like in '78, said, "I'm going to live in a monastery." I mean, he quit, quit music, right. and then he came back with the centerfold member, Centerfield, Centerfield, Centerfield. Yes. Then the old man down the road. Mm-hmm. He came back with that album, and then the same dude sued him again for for <laughs> no. acting like himself. Yeah, no. sued him again for plagiarism against himself. Oh, the story is you? so deep. You read the book is phenomenal. He sued him for uh-huh. sounding like himself because this guy, I think it was Stu. Oh, so he came back and rewrote some of his old songs? No, he just wrote new songs. It sounded sound like, like yeah, if you hear like center field or if you're like the old man, remember the old man's down the road. I know there's a bad moon on the rise, there's... but I'm not familiar with this old man. <laughs> it, was, it sounded very, it sounded like <laughs> it sounds CCR. Like John Bogarty. Yeah, yeah, and so he got sued for that, and he's just like, I just can't, I can't anymore. I think it got worked out in the end, um, but I don't I don't know how. But yeah, I mean, these, these horror stories still, I mean, it is the music business and all that it entails, even today. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is, it is naturally skewed against the artist. That, that That's what's going in. I mean, you're getting effed as you're going in. Yeah. It's just, you know, you want to know how effed you're getting and, and then what you are actually getting. But, you know, people still sign these deals because they're, they're actually, the kids there are a lot smarter. You know, they're doing they themselves are. and they're, they're not signing these 360 deals, which would, if I had signed, a 360 deal is basically, if those don't know, is someone, when you sign with a record company and you sign your sort of life away, uh, for your future, anything you earn, you're sharing with the record company. So as long as your tenure lasts with a record company, even after you're gone, if you luck enough to have any success, you are still paying that record company to use your name, to sell your t-shirts. It's just, I, I mean, it's just deal that was just like it's it's from the 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 pits of hell if you will yeah yeah and i couldn't help but wondering about that knowing just enough to be dangerous about the fiona apple situation and she had i think it was her third album that they were sitting on and they were just going to use it as a write-off and her fans were begging for it to come out and ultimately it finally did i think john bryan produced that whole album that was the when the pawn with like a 50 word right exactly can you even start can you even but i was wondering if a part of 
a factor in that was that in all likelihood she did not recoup on her first album despite the fact that it was um you know a star making album for her because oh. they did put out six singles and did push I mean not all not all uh pushes are equal there are sometimes this, a band gets signed cuz an A&R guy can't be fired and that's well that's his guy and there's the album and we made some you know T-shirts and stickers when it came out. Oops, didn't hit. Bye, guys. It's entirely correct. And yeah, six are, singles. And yeah. then there are the golden children who just get the push. You're right. You're right. And that is a oh, six. I mean, that's a crazy. Well, six <laughs> singles. I imagine she made six videos. And yeah, back in the yeah. '90s, each video cost two hundred, three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's just that's conservative estimate. And they, you know, they they took her around the world to promote this record. Yes, I believe she had a grand piano everywhere she went. You know, I mean, there was people working for her, the people pushing her. You know, yeah. and so yeah, I I think that record went platinum. So she probably broke even. Mm-hmm. She certainly wasn't like you know you know earning tons of dollars to the record. Yeah, company, yeah, yeah. And so. then the second album. Didn't and then by the way, this is all you know. I hypothetically we're thinking and imagining yeah. the well, with no, the. Yeah. Numbers, you know. Of course, of course, of course. And now uh, we have a couple minutes left. These are artists a little bit lower down the the food chain, but I still think a little bit more significant, at least in my mind, than um, some of the classic. The Clash thing still hurts. I haven't recovered from that. I really. I'm gonna guess you know this song. Okay. Right. I give up. So good. I love her. This song's amazing. This song means a lot to me. Me too. How is this song not a hit? It gets me right in the gut. Boy, that's just right down Broadway, right in your heart, isn't it? There's three or four songs on this record, man, that really are, are real heart stringers like this. I'm to gonna me. have to go give it a, a, a listen. It's it's so nice that we live in this age now where everything is so readily accessible uh, as a, as a fan because I agree. she's on that list of like, okay, why have I never listened to shooting rubber bands at the stars front to back? I mean, on the way in today, I was listening to Dion, I was listening to The Wanderers. Yeah, well, it's great. Just because, like, why not? Right. Like, you know what? Well, he's on Smack too, and you listen, and I'm finally starting to get how this stuff that's really cookie cutter and cheesy. I'm like, no, this was a little rock. Where it and fits roll. in the context. You can of hear it all. he's just got a little thing. His yeah, little, little edge in his voice. Grip, I'm like, yeah. he sounds a little sloshed in there. I can see where a kid's exactly. like, this guy is not clean cut. This guy is fucked up right now. Right, which is totally back then was like, oh my God. In this yeah. Ed Sullivan world we lived yeah. in, you know, he was sitting out there kind of you know, rocking and rolling with the attitude, you know. Yeah. But that was, of course, Edie Prickell. Edie Prickell and, and, and New Bohemians. That was Bohemians. the follow up to What, uh, what I Am. Is to what what I called? Am is Which what was a huge I top 10 hit. Fine song. And, and by the way, I think they were like three or four million sellers at the time. Yeah. This is a band that fell off the face of the earth yeah, literally right. i mean she did end up marrying paul simon which is the most significant thing that she did with which the is a good way her, to fall off the rest her. of the earth because uh, your financial work taken care of yeah uh but i think she she uh when he plays i think she comes out and does a couple songs from my understanding i saw him play at the hollywood bowl she i did not notice her on, she did not okay. i didn't notice her on stage maybe for the farewell tour she's kind of seeding the, maybe, the maybe, spotlight but maybe she's she is so great. And there's so many songs that go, okay, like I say, Orinoco Flow by Enya. Oh, America, oh. you're so dumb. You got no culture. It was a hit everywhere else. Why wasn't it a hit here? I'm like, you know, come on. Stepping back, I can see why it wasn't a hit. It's crazy, but I can understand well, it. This one, yeah. this one, what the fuck I, were I, we I, doing? I, I, what was so goddamn important about getting a fifth single off from Paula Abdul when we could have been listening to this instead? And what was, how different NC was that Scat from Cat what I- that off the charts? <laughs> I <know. laughs> <laughs> and what is so different than that from what I am? It wasn't like they took a big right hand turn. You I know, think it's that? like more mainstream. Oh, it's just such a beautiful song. It's, it's, so, it's, it's so, so well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this one will be very, very easy. You might know the song. It doesn't matter. The artist is instantly identifiable. 
Alicia Gray. Such a good song. This is better than the hit to me. I try. It's really cute. It's a, it's a great song. This is um, not a cover of an Outkast song, but it takes the chorus. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love the production of this. Beautiful what they did with her. Really cool. Because she's a challenge, you know. If, if she just plops, if she plops on your desk. And again, I want to give the artist credit. Maybe she showed up with a vision and a stack of CDs of this is what my production is. It's possible, but I'm assuming it was at the very least collaborative. You take her and you go, boy, she's this is a thing. She's clearly a thing. Every time she opens her mouth, what, what do we do with that? Without thing a doubt, is a is a big question. And the way that they that they solved that, I used to uh, was a waiter, and that album was just on rotation. It's like one of those things where you know the two good songs, but of it's course. All, it's all good. It's all good. It's all listenable and good. She was making this record right next to us when we were doing 1459 at Sunset mm-hmm. Sound. And our DJ, uh, yes, we were a band with the DJ back in the 90s, uh, knew Macy very well. So I was listening to this in real time while they were recording it. Mm-hmm. She was very involved in the songwriting and making. Okay. You know, and that voice is just so, I mean, it's one of those most uh, iconic voices uh, of, of our era. Yeah. You know, like a second, all of us. I mean, there's no, like, there's, you don't have to even know music. The second you hear Macy Gray, you know Macy Gray. Yeah. And she does this great version of Brass and Pocket by the Pretenders. Oh, does she? So, you know, this is, the, you know, YouTube, whatever you got to do. We've, she's done it with us in Royal Machines, the band, the Camp Yeah, Freddy, yeah, right, right, right. band we play, and she just nails it every time. And, and she is such a great performer. She's just so, she's so charismatic. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? She's been on the Ella Show a bunch of times. Oh, you know. Like, out of yeah. all the people that you would expect to be, like, friends of the show, she just comes by and makes fun of she us. She can hang. It's great. Yeah. She can hang. She's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's she's super cool, and it would have been easy to do um, tempting. I try to to do. I try all, three to do sillier stuff, stickier stuff. Yeah, you know, you yeah, can yeah. do jokey stuff with her, and it's all lined up for you. And that's not what they. That's Never. not what they did. She yeah. stayed right in her R and B lane and did her yeah. thing. That's she's... not what she did. I should give her the credit, right? Yeah, yeah. And then um, I, I don't know if we have time for more than one more, so I'm going to make sure I get this one in. This is uh, I known to many people as much more than one song known to Americans. Absolutely, positively. For only one song. I believe there is a song at some point. Follow up single to a top 10 hit. <laughs> a tough follow up to this one. Just cousin Brucey just dumped yeah, out. <laughs> trying to do like a, like a, a bumper to this or whatever you call it. Hit the mark. Got a family four-pack yeah. of tickets to Wally's. Yeah. Coming up after this. After this. <laughs> Follow-up single. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here. We're either Flock of Seagulls or Gary Newman. We are most definitely Gary Newman. We're Gary Newman, yeah. There we go. There you go. Of Cars fame. Yeah, of course. Again, I mean, Gary Newman to me has like five hits. Our friends, Electric, Replicas. I think our friends. I'm, I'm a down in the park guy personally. Um, yeah, that's a great our, song. Our friends, Electric, was that I didn't, think, that the didn't single even, before this. But that didn't even touch the hot top oh, four. I'm sure they re-released it after the Cars. Cars, yeah. Cars was number one, maybe. I don't know. Top ten, certainly. Yeah, yeah. But Gary Newman, man. Again, another. It's very strange to get these legends yeah. and people that to me aren't one hit wonders. Mm-hmm. Called defined one hit wonders. By the way, we're defining the, the one math, hit wonders. The math is cruel. I think the no hit wonders, no hit legends yep. is a great, great topic for future future okay. discussion. But for now, I must bid you adieu. 
Thank you totally, my friend. Always fun. Mark underscore McGrath, and you host the Mark McGrath's 120, 90s Mark McGrath's 120, CXXM, the 90s on 9, 7 p.m. on Friday. And hit me up when you guys, man. I love hearing from you guys about the Tully Show. See you next time, friend. Thank you, sir.